0: Let's, let's turn our attention now to the scripture reading. We are actually coming to the conclusion of the book of Acts. Believe it or not, some of you are just so happy, relieved. But this is the conclusion. It's entitled Road Map for Renewal. We're going back to chapter 2. Let's give our attention to this. Uh, starting at verse 37. Uh, now, when they, the crowd that's listening to Apostle Peter preach... And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourselves from this crooked, crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3000 souls verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe all came upon every soul. Those who are being saved, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to frame and define renewal and revival as synonyms. Renewal and revival as synonyms. Here's how I'll define it. It is the extra ordinary work of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, To make the presence of God manifest. When renewal comes, the presence of God is manifested. In seasons of renewal and revival, both believers and non believers can sense, almost everyone can notice. You know, when you get around a church experiencing renewal, Almost everyone notices. Someone else is there. Someone else is there. The great Dr. Lloyd-Jones on a series of sermons on revival in the mid-20th century made this observation, quote, Those on the inside of the church are raised up to a new level of experience and understanding, and those on the outside are converted and drawn in. A church renewed, a church revived. New level of experience and understanding and non-believing neighbors, friends, relatives drawn and converted. If this is not happening, the church is dying. If this is not happening... Let's face it, a church is dying and in need of renewal. Two months ago, we had the great honor and privilege to launch a church plant, Kindred Presbyterian Church, our baby. Because we want to follow the New Testament strategy, that is the best way to spread and amplify the gospel. At the same time, all along, the book of Acts was chosen really for this message and the series of messages that lead up to this one. Not only are we about, of course, the spread of the gospel through church planting, CCSC is in need of renewal, renewal, and a roadmap is given to us throughout the scriptures, especially Acts. So for those of you who are a little bit more practical about this, oh, so, you know, Pastor, how does that come about? Well, what can we do? Let me just give me some bullet points. What's the plan? How do we bring about renewal? Well, always it is the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of his people. A dual synergistic work, you might call that. God's activity and the activity of his people. In the New Testament, God's people were instructed carefully with specifications of how to construct and build an altar, or the tabernacle, or the temple. But after the altar was carefully, diligently executed and built, then and only then, the fire of God would come down. The people of God built and constructed the altar, that was their activity, their work, and then... By God's sheer pleasure and sovereignty, the glory would come down. It's the same with us. It's going to take both. It's going to take both. The extraordinary work of the Holy Spirit to make the presence of God manifest. It's going to take both. A biblical understanding and a biblical functioning of a local church is both we are an organism and An organization we're an organism and an organization you see on the one hand we are an organic living supernatural body God gives birth to his people God births his church no one else can create or do that you know back in my undergraduate college days up at Berkeley I still remember It was like student-led our Friday night meetings, Fellowship in Christ at Berkeley. There was hardly any regular pastor there, but for some weird reason, such interest, such almost explosive growth, we had no idea what we're doing. All I know is that God is so sovereign and merciful He could just grow things organically, informally, even through ignorant people. Question though, from that college experience, how can you continue that? How would you sustain that? Why is it usually not sustained? How do you mature that? You see, a lot of people go through spiritual revival or or renewal experiences in their younger years, and then they step into This thing called a church later on in life, they're like, all of a sudden, oh, this is old. It's a little too structured. Too much diversity here. I don't feel welcome. What are they saying? They're missing the part that the church is both an organic living body, yes, but it's also an organization. We need both, we need both. You see, on the other hand, as an organization, the Bible clearly tells us you should elect elders, you should elect officers, you should have multiple officers. It should be plural leadership, never solo, not tyrannical, not abusive, not crazy pride, one unilateral person, no. Elect multiple equal officers so that there is godly governance godly checks and balances, godly finances, and, of course, care and discipline. Or, inevitably, there is a fallout and ruin to come. It's an organization. Now, you see, this is very, very tough. It's delicate to do both. See, on the one hand, to do church well, you have to plan. You have to strategize. You have to prepare. You gotta work hard. You gotta be practical. You gotta be programmatic. At the same time, we have to pray. Tough and delicate to do both, is it not? Is there any other organization like this? We gotta do both. It is not just a business, but it is a spiritual, organic, living body. I mean, so for instance, this day, you're sitting there. Oh, I know you were blessed by the story of Jen Han because at our church, when you are getting blessed, it is dead quiet. It's dead still. You can hear the air running through the conditioner, uh, uh, through that in the back. No one is moving. But why were you so blessed? It's not just the Holy Spirit crafting that story through Jen Han and Jimmy Han. It's because you could hear her there's good AV. You could see her. There's a whole team of people called an operations team that sets up all of the signs and all of these things so we can sit and focus and be blessed. In other words, without good AV, which our team is really good, I'm not so sure if the Holy Spirit can really bless you. I don't care how spiritually interested and hungry you are. I don't know what your intentions and even what your prayer life is like. But if you come here and you can't hear the singers or the leaders or the prayers or me, I don't know if you could really be that renewed. See, it takes both. We must have both. Preparatory, practical, programmatic, organized, and, oh, Holy Spirit, organic, supernatural, both both. Now there are two movements throughout the book of Acts and in our passage. Two movements. Specific powerful movements that must take place for the outpouring and the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. First I would call it removal. Removal. A church who really wants to undergo renewal has to get rid of the things that the Holy Spirit wants you to get rid of. We ought to remove the things that the Holy Spirit does not like. The Holy Spirit is grieved by. The Holy Spirit is upset about. The Holy Spirit opposes and is against these things. This is called repentance to remove certain things in the life of Christians in the church. Look at verses 36 to 38 of chapter 2. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. We did not read that one verse, but that is Apostle Peter standing up, moved and filled by the Holy Spirit. And we find out that the first Christian sermon, which the Holy Spirit loves to use to add 3,000 souls to that church that day, is a sermon that interprets and clarifies and centers and exalts, Jesus Christ as both Lord and Christ. In other words, the Holy Spirit loves Jesus Christ. It's the best way I can put it. The Holy Spirit is obsessed with Jesus Christ, the Son. The Holy Spirit is like the bridegroom who wants to exalt and highlight Jesus Christ. Through all of the scriptures, all of the declarations, all of the preaching and teaching, the Holy Spirit loves to use Jesus Christ front and center. Therefore, the church who wants to undergo renewal must repent and remove all teaching, all preaching, all distractions, all add-ons, all political and social agendas that hijack this primary agenda, all subtractions, all things that undermine, that confuse, hmm? that maybe even just directly oppose Jesus Christ, the teaching and the preaching of him as both Lord and Christ. Remove it. We must. At the same time, not only teaching that his antichrist must be repented of and removed, also false and deadly practices. False and deadly practices. At the heights of the first church, there is nothing but persecution and suffering and scandals to come. You are never so Holy Spirit filled that there is not sins and fallouts and suffering to come. And in Acts chapter 5, a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira sold a piece of property and gave it as offering to the church for the many needs. Anyone who had need, remember they were selling it and giving it to distribute it so that they would cover everyone's needs. What a holy amazing thing and yet people can figure out ways to corrupt that and use it for their own ends so ananias and sapphira sold a piece of property by the way it's not communism because it was never coerced it's not cultic because they were never told you should sell it or else you're not going to heaven your sins are not going to be forgiven all christian giving is done gladly there's a compulsion and a motive of joy Well, they sold it. They came before the church and said, here's all its prophets. We're going to present all of its prophets as an offering for those who are in need. And then Apostle Peter, filled by the Holy Spirit, confronted and exposed them. Why are you lying to the Holy Spirit? Because they did not present all of its prophets. They withheld a portion of it for themselves. They never had to lie that they were presenting all the prophets. And again, no one forced them to sell the property for the offering, but they wanted to present themselves in such a way to gain a religious reputation. This is called pretense among the people of God. Pretense by the people of God, right within the house of God. The sin of just straight up lying and fraud and cover up in the name of God. And do you know what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? They were struck dead. On the spot. Their life was gone. Now, certainly our God, who is just as holy then as he is now, is so merciful that he does not immediately strike people dead. But churches are left for dead when you don't repent and remove practices like that. Churches are just kind of left for dead. When they do not teach and preach, Jesus is the Lord in Christ. And they practice in the name of God, by the people of God, that which directly opposes the spirit of God. My friends, removal, repentance, repentance. Do you know that in our life and in our future here at CCSD, starting with me and all of you, we will not experience any genuine healing, growth, next level, whatever that means, or renewal apart from repentance and removal led by the Holy Spirit? That's the first movement. Here's a second. Here's a second recovery, recovery, recovery of the three most original vital elements of the first Christian church filled by the Holy Spirit. What would those three be? The first is, I mentioned it, verse 42, I mean, verse 36, sorry. Jesus is both Lord and Christ. Now you see, that is the preacher's job, the teacher's job, the church's job to clearly, unashamedly, Boldly, without compromise, center and gather all attention and worship to Jesus. That's our job. But then look at verse 37 again. What happened as a result of Peter and that church doing their job? They were cut to the heart. Our job is to preach and teach of Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit's job to cut people up. I mean, really cut people up in the best possible way. The Holy Spirit's primary passion and job in all of his eternal life is to cut around the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And when the gospel of Jesus Christ cuts people up into their hearts by the power and the movement of the very Spirit Spirit of God, a new community and new compassions are created. Three features to recover. First, preaching and teaching of Jesus. Second, community. The life of the community. Look at verses 43 to 46. 43 to 46. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. And all who who believed were together and all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Do you hear that? What was that first church community dynamic like? They were filled with awe, awe, transcendence. Someone else is here someone else is here oh we're not just meeting in a home eating no we're not just a group of friends socializing oh we're not just on a sports field yes bonding there but oh no what is most important is awe at the presence of someone else is there and then it says day by day they met together, day by day, like day after day, day after day. Regularly, that's intimacy. Intimacy. You're so beloved by God, you just so love the people of God. Awe and intimacy, awe and intimacy, the usual dual marks of God's presence in community. In community. Remember, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, then to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. The fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers, this is all about his community, all about the life of the community when God comes down. Listen, everyone around the world, some of you here maybe can barely take it, but I've heard it many times here at CCSC, man... I, I'm just used to very much more expressive, extended, enthusiastic type of singing and worship. Oh, I get that. Oh, I want that too, actually. I really do. Some of you are really used to, well, the way that I feel God, I know God is real to me if we do fellowship this way or if we pray this way. I get that. But I want you to know God plays no favorites. He's bringing renewal and revival around the world in such different ways, just under the banner of Christ and creating new community. Here, again, when people get locked in and when the Holy Spirit is speaking and moving in people's hearts, there is this holy silence, awe and intimacy that the Holy Spirit can bring. What can we recover? What must we recover? The preaching and teaching of Christ, second, second. Awe and intimacy and community. Third, last one, compassion. Compassion. Verse 47 reads this. Praising God. We all know that part. Oh, we all should be doing that. Worshiping God, of course. And having favor with all the people. I want you to note that part. Praising God in the house of God. Yes having favor with all the people outside the house of God in your local community. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Question, do you think that the Lord unilaterally was like transporting people off random streets and then just dropping them into that church? Do you think that the Lord unilaterally just went out into the marketplace and just by his holy, invisible spirit, you come to this church? Of course not. Sovereignty, responsibility. God's activity, our activity. Day by day, people were being added and saved. Yes, the Lord ultimately does it. But he uses the work of his people. His people who are just mm, dynamic aggressive even, contagious, they almost can't help it. Name the last great restaurant you just had. The last great movie or show you just experienced. Something so fun happened yesterday. What do you do with it? Anything that's real and you enjoy. You end up talking about it with people. You see, you become a natural evangelist. You become a natural evangelist. Oh, friends, can I suggest to you, if you never, ever get around to sharing or mentioning or talking about Jesus, it's because he's not real to you. He's not enjoyable to you. But look at what's happening here in the church, in the first church. When you're undergoing renewal, there's all kinds of different evangelists, you know. There's a guy by the name of Andrew in the Bible. Go check him out. He doesn't have to explain everything. He's the type of person that says, you know, I don't really know how to answer those kinds of questions. I'm a little nervous and scared about the kind of objections and resistances I may get. But you know what? Andrew is really good at it. Anyone can do it. He says, just come and check it out with me. I really can't explain everything. I just know something is going on here. So I want to invite you, come to this club, join my home, come to the sporting event, come to this small group. Just check it out because I do know I want to connect you to someone or something where the gospel can be seen and articulated better than I could. That's Andrew. Who here can't do that? Who here cannot get excited about what Jesus has done in your life, but you're afraid about explaining what that is? Just invite, just connect, just be a little bolder than you are right now. Please don't let your friends and neighbors just pass you by and say, Oh, you go to church every Sunday? Yeah. Then there's people like Philip, oh, a little bit more maturing believer. He explains Old Testament scriptures. He explains the word of God to an Ethiopian eunuch. Tells him the gospel through an Old Testament prophet and directly leads that person to Jesus Christ. Those are maturing believers. They can do it themselves. But when the Holy Spirit is being poured out, Jesus Christ is being centered and worshiped and exalted and preached and taught. And there is awe and intimacy going on in the life of the church because God's spirit is making him manifest. Both evangelisms are just rampant. They are just going out and making sure, just connect, just come check it out, just come see it with me, please. Or do you want to understand what you're reading there? It's really all about Jesus, the son of God who died for you. Mm. You know, not only bold and unashamed in evangelism, but stunning social compassion. Having favor with all the people. This one, this one did stun me this last week. Having favor with all the people. We're talking about non-believing people. Yes, praising God. And then the early church was admired. The early church was attractive. The early church was welcoming and winsome. Not maybe in their doctrine and what they preached, but definitely in their conduct. The early church was so giving, so sacrificial, so united that all wanted in. They found favor with all. Oh, this is through their sacrificial giving and sharing everything in common. This is through serving local needs, weekend projects, building homes, love Fullerton, volunteering at your school, volunteering to meet needs of our worship services today. And every great revival or renewal movement eventually creates hospitals, orphanages, repeals child labor laws, eventually in the United Kingdom abolishes slavery, abolishes slavery. You know, William Wilberforce, a politician, worked out all of his faith in his vocation. In fact, he is used maybe, quote-unquote, better than pastors or professors could ever do because in his secular political work, he could actually exercise all of his gospel convictions and he abolished Slavery. Now, how did William Wilberforce end up doing that? Well, he was converted by someone who was converted by someone who was converted by someone through the Great Awakening. A renewal so powerful it lasts generations. The preaching and teaching of Christ, community life and compassion now it is natural and pretty easy to come up and do well one or two one or two of these things without the spirit of God in fact that's how you can tell a church doesn't really need the spirit of God they just do one or two things really well see you can draw people who want solid coherent sermons You can just draw people who are into teaching. They want their questions answered. They want to be intellectually satisfied. But then they're really kind of awkward and they avoid awe and intimacy and community. Certain churches can just draw thrill seekers. They want to experience things. They're emotive. They're artistic. They want that thrill. Wonderful. But then it's a really confusing and unclear and shallow about what they believe, their doctrine. Then we have certain churches that are, and some Christian friends, who are amazing in social compassion, amazing and devoted and sacrificial, but they're not committed to any one local church, or they're not really explicit about the gospel ever. Do you see, without the Spirit of God, you will naturally draw artists, academics, or activists... But they'll stay that way. Without the Spirit of God, certain churches, of course, will just do one or two of those three things. Oh, of course, without the Spirit of God, you could be a cult. A cult so warm, so welcoming, so good at everything that you do, but it's unrelenting. You know, they they invite you too much. <laughs> They invite you way too many times. And once you're in, you really can't get out without the Spirit of God. But what does the Spirit of God do when he comes down? What does the Holy Spirit do in authentic renewal? He breaks through natural tendencies. He gathers and unites and changes people. So much so that they begin to resemble more of the full-orbed beauty and ministry of Jesus Christ himself. My friends, you do know you're commanded to love God with all your heart and your mind and your soul. You are commanded to love God with all of your being. You are called to love your neighbors the way that Jesus has loved on you as prophets, priests, and kings. A roadmap for renewal. renewal, Church renewal. Now here's how it's come for me. I'm undergoing recovery and renewal. I'm so happy to say that. I'm certain of it. Because I look back to three or four years ago, And like Jen, sometimes I wonder, I can't believe how far God has brought me. How has God brought renewal? How has it come after me? I'm sorry to say this. It's after you hit a dead end. I really wish it could be easier for you. I really wish it could be easier for me. But it's never come apart from a dead end. You know, you just slam into like dead end sins. Hmm? Dead end reactions that you're just so used to all your life. Dead end conflicts, dead end hardships, dead end frustrations, dead end malaise. You know, I came to a point where the spirit of God was allowing and exposing Harold, do you know that kind of messianic motivation you have? That kind of messianic expectations that you actually believe about yourself? I'm going to have to really detox you from that. Harold, do you know that all the previous old Harold, your powers or your skill sets or your experiences or your giftings, all of the old you, just Harold, this is how you do you. I'm going to bring a dead end to that. Because on the other side of the dead end, God renews. God shows up. And he brings about a new life. Where when you hit a dead end over and over and over again, you just start to cry. And you start to cry out for change because the status quo is so unbearable. And then you can't help but pray. Pray and you just have to pray and you need to pray. You feel like you can't do anything else. You will not live if you don't pray. And then you start to learn to love to pray. You enjoy to pray. You find unbelievable therapy, peace that passes understanding, healing, clarity, Movement of someone else when you pray. At a recent retreat with our dear session, our elders, we did a SWOT analysis. Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Thanks be to God, we are not trying to dismiss or skip over what our weaknesses and our threats are. We have several to be sure, but they're all really doable. They really are. They're very doable. But the one thing we cannot do, the one thing that is not doable, the only thing that the Holy Spirit can do, the only thing that the Holy Spirit can do, which is what we all in this room actually need the most, is for the presence of God to be made manifest. And only the Holy Spirit can do that. A marriage is never renewed apart from the sweet and sovereign and extraordinary intervention of the Spirit of God. Your children aren't turned no matter what you tell them, no matter how many late-night discussions, no matter how many therapies or treatments you tried. Ultimately, your children aren't turned. You're not free from an addiction. You're not lifted up from those. You're not lifted up ultimately apart from what only the Holy Spirit of God can do. Where God, his presence is made manifest. In the Bible and throughout all of church history, in every single Movement of renewal, there is a groundbreaking cry that bursts through. Hmm? There is a flood, a rush that undergirds every renewal, every time, and we will not experience it apart from it. It is prayer. It is a cry out to God. We need change. Oh, God, it's a cry we need your spirit to to renew. And, you know, I have found when you pray for something, when you pray for something and you keep praying for something and you keep asking for it and you repeat it and you do it almost every day, maybe morning, day, and night, maybe you do that with me for the rest of this year at least. Can you spend five seconds every single day from here on when you think about CCSC, when you think about anything we do, any of our leaders, any of our pastors, any of our vision, anything about our church. Can you lift up five seconds of prayer and say, Lord, please bring renewal. Do you not want the presence of God? to be manifest, to be seen and felt and experienced in this place? Do you not want, it says in this verse, the promise is for your children. Do you not want something so profound, so powerful, that it crosses generations? The promise is for you and for your children and those all who are far off. Those who are still in need of Jesus as Lord in Christ. And I ask you, just join me. Because when you pray for something, and you pray for something, and you pray for something, your heart gets warmed up to it. And your heart wants to want it. And then your heart really wants it. And then your heart gets a little bit emblazed by it. Then there's a fire that begins to grow. And all of that fire... All of that anticipatory, preparatory, eager asking, God, bring down something we could never do. Bring us something that you want to do, you have promised to do, we know you can do. Pray, pray, pray. And may a day and season come soon where you and I experience God, like we've never experienced him before, and your dying friends, and your neighbors, and your family members will sense someone's here. Someone else is here, and they're brought in. Oh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 10. As we close this, what a promise. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you? If his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. You really think when the children of God wail and and pray and pray and pray and ask and ask and ask and ask, you know... Renewal comes when Reformed Presbyterians do things Reformed Presbyterians don't typically do. Renewal happens at CCSC when we are not known just to be Reformed and Presbyterian. Renewal, God is happy. Do you really think he'll withhold this? Do you really think he doesn't want to give this? You honestly think that the children in the church of God crying out, We want your presence to be manifest, and we pray that all together, continually, increasingly, progressively. I'm going to give you a stone or a serpent instead. Give me a break. That's not the kind of God I know. You know that's not the God you know, but it is a God who is just preparing. He's just preparing, and he wants to bring us to a dead end a dead end of ourselves so that God's spirit will be alive and full and real in this place. Pray with me as we close. Father in heaven, Lord, as we come to the conclusion of the book of Acts, I pray you would unleash and continue a fire for prayer in all of our hearts In all of our Christ. Holy Spirit, we are dying without you. We are left for dead without you. So, Lord, would you come? Come and renew broken, tired minds and hearts and wills and bodies and souls. For you are gracious, you are merciful. And you are a loving, Heavenly Father. Hear us, we pray this day, for we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.